Father in heaven, we do ask once again that you would help us to listen and to contemplate your providence, uh, not only in my life, uh, but in all of our lives, that we would contemplate your grace and that this Sabbath day we would increase with thanksgiving unto you, that we would grow in knowledge and love of you through Christ, your son, we ask. Amen. Amen. So I was asked by both Pastor Antonio and Isaiah to briefly share my testimony. Now I want to give some context because to be honest, it's always been a rather difficult question for me to answer. Not because I don't know when I was converted or uh, or that I'm now converted, uh, but because growing up in a traditional Baptist church, someone's testimony was really their life story. I'm sure you've heard a testimony like that. It's just a life story for the next uh, hour or so. Um, and it tends to focus upon their life before conversion. It often went something like this. You know, I was born and I committed this terrible vice and then I did this other terrible vice and then I did this other horrible vice and then it concluded with something like, then I believed in Jesus and he saved me. The end. Um, I'm not suggesting that making a contrast of life before conversion is necessarily wrong, but I am suggesting that often throughout the modern church a person's vices often become the crux of the testimony. Little times given to the good news that continues, as we heard last week from Pastor Antonio, that continues to be good news. So, um, I often say this, that a testimony does not merely describe just one event in life. Rather, a testimony ought to be a contemplation of providence. A contemplation of providence. Conversion is just the beginning of this habit. This is a habit of grace. So this morning, I invite you to consider the Lord's providence, not just in my life, but the Lord's providence in your life. So with that definition, with that context for testimony, what is my testimony? Well, my testimony begins with my parents. My parents, Eddie and Noemi Santiago, were born, uh, not born into a Christian home. Uh, they each lived with only one parent. Their siblings were scattered about. They didn't grow up reading the Bible. They didn't grow up hearing the gospel. As Ephesians 2.12 says, they were without Christ. There was no hope and they were without God in the world. But by the sovereign grace of God, one evening when I was only two years old, a pastor whose ministry they had attempted to avoid came knocking on their door. And he had the Bible in hand. And he walked through the person and work of Christ from the book of Romans. He walked through what God had done to save sinners through Christ. And that very night, my mom and dad trusted in Christ alone for their salvation. The call of Acts 16.31 was extended to them. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. By God's sovereign grace, they believed, both of them that night, and were saved. So fast forward, I, I grew up watching my parents' life. I grew up observing their dying to sin, their living to righteousness. And doing so all with thanksgiving to Christ. Not just checking checking a box, but all in view of what Christ has done. Recall what we read in Matthew 121, that the babe born of the Virgin Mary would be called Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. You see, my parents knew that well. They knew they had been saved from their sins and they knew what their sins justly deserved. 
and yet they knew they had been saved from their sins and what their sins and that through Christ. And this meant then that they confronted sin in the home. They confronted their own sins and they confronted my sins. Only my sins were confronted with the bell. My parents did not spare the rod because they cared for my soul. Daily I was confronted with my sin. Each Sunday I was reminded of my sin. But still with all that I thought I just needed to do better. You see, my life before I trusted in Christ was not in the in my eyes at least terribly sinful. Again, going back to what I introduced, often we hear a testimony. There's this vice and this vice and this vice. And it often makes people who don't have that kind of background think, well, what was I saved from? So I kind of had that that perspective, even while I was being confronted with my sin. I mean, I just disobeyed my parents. I just disobeyed them. But I was very much like Israel. I thought that if I just rendered outward conformity to the law, then I was all good. And that was until one Lord's Day in Sunday school. And um, at least right here, yeah, I'll say this here. I, I didn't grow up in a confessional Baptist church, just an independent Baptist church. But one day in Sunday school, the teacher that morning was explaining how Christ bore and paid the penalty for sin. And up to this point in my life, I had recognized that I was disobedient. I had been told that I was guilty before God. But I realized that morning that I could not pay for my sin. And that God, being great as he is, sent his son to pay that penalty for my sin. So I had penalty in my mind. I had He bore the punishment for my sin on my mind. And I had the word forgiveness on my mind. And that, that morning, my conscience was pricked, unlike before. For the first time, I knew I needed to be forgiven. And that morning in prayer, wasn't led in the Lord's Prayer, uh, but I was extended the free offer of the gospel. And that morning in prayer, I asked the Lord to forgive me of my many sins. And I expressed that I was trusting in Christ alone to save me from my sins. I was only six years old, so in my little mind, being only six, I imagined that my life now was in God's enormous hand. I felt like I had taken a, taken a shower. I told my mom afterwards, I feel clean. So from that day forward, I began to grow in my assurance of salvation. Because I wrestled, I wrestled with how one can be both a sinner and be righteous. So I grew in knowing that I was saved from my sin. From the age of six on, I struggled to understand how what can be a sinner and righteous at the same time. And it was at this time I became arrested by the book of Romans. Began contemplating the doctrine of God more, the doctrine of man, scripture, justification, sanctification of the church. This is all, you know, this is not at the age of six. This is, as time goes on, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, while I'm watching my parents while I'm sitting under the preaching of the word. Fast forward to when I was 15. It was at this time that having come to understand that baptism was a visible sign of my salvation in Christ, I pursued baptism and I formally became a member of the visible church when I was 15. Three years later, upon completing high school, so I'm 18, I began my studies at Moody Bible Institute. It was there I met my wife, Jasmine, and three years later we were married. 
But it was within those first couple of years of marriage when I began to develop enough discernment to identify a change in the preaching at our church more and more. Our pastor went from preaching through entire books to just reading the text and launching into anecdotal stories. I began to ask questions as I reflected upon the reasoning behind this. And by this time, both me and my wife had studied enough to accept the doctrines of grace and reformed worship. And by God's grace, I was able to teach my parents and my sister what I was learning. Um, I was director of the youth ministry uh, at the church, and uh, they served along with me. And they too, by God's grace, had come to embrace these very truths. And then in the year 2017, the year 2017, the situation at the church only became worse. Uh, where the, and where the pulpit goes, I'm sure you've heard it said before, there goes the church. And even when I attempted to discuss matters with the pastors, they were unwilling to hold discussion. That was because they were hurt by others that go by the name Reformed, hurt by really hyper-Calvinism. So they didn't want to discuss what I was learning. So me and my wife began to consider leaving to pursue membership at a Presbyterian church. At least consider that, but I'm a Baptist, right? So I began to study credo and pedo-baptism more. This is what led me to study the Second London Confession of Faith. Um, I began to learn more and more about the differences between Baptists and Presbyterians uh, as to our covenant theology. And I was also exposed through that to other confessional Baptist distinctives, right, like the Sabbath day. So in July 2017, me and my wife first met what would later be my mentor, Pastor John Yoder. About a year later, me and my wife transferred our membership. And it took a year because, again, it was very difficult for my pastors. And I was serving as director of the youth ministry while all this is taking place. So it took time. And our pastors did not take it well. But in 2018, me and my wife became members of Hope Reformed Baptist Church. This was also the year our first child was born, Selah. In 2019, I was tested and approved by the church to prepare for the gospel ministry. In October that year, I was unanimously received as a gifted brother. That really put wind in my sails. I wanted to run as far away from the ministry unless God directed me through his church. So following my commendation, I was encouraged to complete my MDiv at IRBS. But the thing was, I had not finished my undergrad at MBI for different reasons. So I took the long road that commendation. With the encouragement of my commendation, I pursued to complete my undergrad at Moody while working full-time in ophthalmology. So I was a technician for seven years. Praise the Lord, I graduated with a Bachelor of Science in May of last year. And this was also the year our second child was born, Solomon. But sadly, during this time, and this was early last year, before we were relocated from Chicago to Fort Worth, Texas, where IRBS is, uh, my pastor had to resign due to burnout. Soon after this, the church went through a split. A group of men who had the desire to be first, who had the spirit of diatrophies, and were unqualified to be elders, thought that they should be elders nonetheless. So they began to slander me and slander my family and others, slander the name of my pastor, confuse others, persuade others to have the majority. They had the majority according to our constitution. 
And so me and others, unfortunately, had to ask to be excluded from church membership due to unruliness. Nevertheless, through all this, God is working. My family and I have now been in Fort Worth, Texas for over a year. I'm halfway through seminary. The Lord has provided several churches to support us, as well as a number of families, so that I can focus my full energies on my MDiv. Um, and the plan is to return to Chicago upon my graduation, Lord willing, in May of 2024. Covenant Baptist Church in New Berlin, Wisconsin. It's a small confessional Baptist church there, uh, shepherded by one elder who's bivocational, um, Pastor Noah Ogin. Uh, they have expressed interest in receiving me and testing me for the office of elder. Uh, so that upon my ordination, they would then send me to work toward church planting in Chicago. There is no confessional Baptist church there. Uh, I was telling Brother Mario, uh, there's not even a confessional PCA or OPC within the city limits. You have an OPC outside, but not within the city limits. Over three million people in, in the city. And I can count on both hands... You know, how many true and healthy churches are present in the city at this time? So it's very much, um, it's very much a pioneering work. So we ask that you would share this burden with us. Pray for us. Pray for the kingdom of grace to advance in the city of Chicago. Pray that the Lord would add a greater financial support so that even upon my return, I can continue to focus my full energies upon this. My mentor John Yoder would often encourage the church by saying this, we have everything we need. We have everything we need. As the Apostle Peter writes, we have all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Peter goes on to say there, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. We have, Reformation Bible Church has, everything they need. So my brothers and sisters, our testimony is a testimony of God's grace. And that testimony doesn't conclude until glory. So contemplate. Contemplate this day, the Lord's providence in your life. Take delight in your God. And on this day, bless his holy name. As one uh, preacher, one preacher uh, I've heard, uh, he says, you know, your life can be summed up in one sentence. From him, through him, and to him are all things.